0: Siblings are known to argue over the littlest and the biggest things, from wrestling over the best seat on the couch to eating the last piece of cake. Sibling rivalry has always been a prominent part of growing up. Jacob and Esau were no different, and they even started their wrestling in the womb. But what if this wrestling is a necessary part to moving forward in our faith? What if the spiritual wrestling we feel is actually what propels us to a stronger relationship with God? Not so sure? Let's wrestle with it. That's today on the podcast. Hey, this is Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thanks so much for tuning into our Tower Hill podcast. Wherever or whenever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Since we are in between sermon series, Today, Pastor Jason is looking at a very common, yet a very powerful aspect to our faith journey. Wrestling with God. Is it bad? Is it helpful? Where does it lead if we start to question our faith? Grapple with the spiritual feelings and thoughts? Pastor Jason tackles all of this and so much more. So let's listen in right now.
1: Hey everyone, Pastor Jason here. We are in between sermon series, and so today I thought we would look at a topic that comes up all the time in our life of faith, and that's really this idea of wrestling with fear, wrestling with doubt, maybe even wrestling with God. You ever feel like you wrestled with God? Well, you're in good company, and I think you'll discover that it's not so much about the wrestling as it is how you wrestle with God that matters, I think our wrestling with God is built around kind of a whole bunch of questions that we have all the time. And some of these questions might look like, God, is this where I'm supposed to be right now? God, I don't know. I feel like I'm wrestling. I am not content. I am feeling tension inside of me. Is this where I'm supposed to be? It could be with my job. It could be with my house. It could be with a whole lot of things. But it's this discontent that's kind of driving us to think, am I really where I'm supposed to be? And then maybe a follow-up would be, well, then, God, why aren't you showing me what I'm supposed to do next? feels like I'm wrestling with you. I'm not sure what's going on. God, why did you allow this to happen? I mean, how many of us have asked that question over the last 15 months, right? God, how could you allow this? Or God, are you punishing me? Is that why I can't seem to see the way forward? Is it because I'm being punished, because of my behavior, my lack of faithfulness, my sin, whatever it is? Or that kind of fear-based question, which is what will happen to me or others if, what will happen if, and our minds just start going crazy, thinking about all of the most horrible possibilities that might await us in a particular situation. I think all of these are just a general doubt or fear can cause us to feel like we are in a wrestling match with God. We are wrestling constantly. And I know for some people that's disconcerting. And they're like, well, maybe I'm just doing faith wrong if I'm wrestling all the time. But I don't think that's the case. See, Scripture is filled with people who sometimes often wrestle with God. In fact, I think more times people are wrestling than not with God when you look at Scripture. Now, why is that? Well, it's because we can't see what God can see, right? We can't see what God sees. So how do we possibly know what lies ahead? God sees it all. And so since we can't see it all, we have a lot of questions, and that often turns into wrestling because we're like, God, I need to know. You ever feel that way with God? God, I need to know this. Even if not, if everything's not worked out yet, just tell me the next thing. Just give me enough so that I can keep going. Speaking of wrestling, how many of you have siblings? (laughs) Yeah, I bet you had a few wrestling matches with your siblings as well. Uh, I know I did, so I was the oldest of three. We shared a room growing up in our apartment in California. So uh, there's seven years between my brother and I, uh, younger, and then 11 years between my sister and I, and all three of us shared this tiny room. So imagine me as a young teenager sharing this room with my brother and sister. Let's just say there was a lot of wrestling going on. And actually, the sibling rivalry that happens, right, it's this natural thing that we all experience. And parents, we hate to say that it's a natural thing because we just want it to stop. We, it, whatever it takes, just make it end, <laughs> right? Stop your fighting. But what siblings are doing is they're trying to figure out where they stand. They're trying to figure out their place in the order of things. And so sometimes wrestling or fighting will happen. I know that having siblings trained me to be a mastermind criminal, Uh, and some of you have heard this story before, but I I remember this so vividly because it's kind of a legendary story in our family, and that's my mom, back when I was early high school, maybe eighth grade, uh, she, she would go through sort of different dieting phases, and there was this place in Montrose, California called the Slender Sweet Shop. And here's a picture of it here, the Slender Sweet Shop. And these are all, like, sugar-free desserts. Back when, like, that really wasn't much of a thing yet. But they had made this whole bakery that was based around it. And so she had these sugar-free devil dogs. And I remember she would get these devil dogs, and they were delicious. But here's the thing. We were read the riot act about not eating mom's Slender Sweet Shop desserts. Don't eat the devil dogs. So one day, I don't know why I did it. I, I guess I just wanted it. I ate one of mom's devil dogs, and I took the, this is so bad, and I took the wrapper, and I put it on my brother's bed and framed him for the crime. And it totally works, and I totally didn't fess up, and he got grounded. or something. It was horrible, right? I just want you to know, uh, your pastor has issues. <laughs> anyway, I've moved beyond that. But sibling rivalry and wrestling and competition is all real. Now, what's that have to do with anything? Well, today, as we're talking about wrestling with God, we're going to share a little bit about a wrestling match that started with wrestling between siblings, and that's the story of Jacob. Jacob was wrestling with his brother Esau from the womb, literally from the womb, about where is my place. And Jacob was born second, and so Esau was the one who had the birthright, who had everything that was coming to him from the father. Well, Jacob and his mother really didn't want to sit by and let that happen, and so they framed Esau for all sorts of things. I mean, Jacob got very creative and tricky when it came to getting what he wanted out of his father. He gets Esau to trade his birthright for a bowl of stew. I'm like, stew? Really? Like, that must have been some good stew. Like, it couldn't have been like In-N-Out or something. In-N-Out, I would get, but stew? I don't know. But more than that, Jacob tricks his father Isaac into giving him the blessing. Now, this was a big deal in their day, was for the father to give a blessing to the elder son, and that would sort of launch them into their lives, this great blessing that came from the father. And uh, Jacob, like his father couldn't see so well at that point, so Jacob like put fur on his hands to make him seem hairy like his brother Esau. I mean, he was really a nasty, nasty mastermind at work. But it worked. And Isaac gave Jacob the blessing that belonged to Esau. Now, Isaac's blessing actually worked. Jacob became rich, and he lived abroad for about 20 years until God called him to return home. One small problem He had to face Esau, who, by the way, said that he would kill him if he ever showed his face back there again. So now, all of a sudden, Jacob is reeling from this idea that he's got to face his brother again, and he's full of fear, and he's full of doubt. This is from Genesis 32. He reaches out to God. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also... The mothers with their children. But you have said, you know, it's like he's got to remind God what God said. <laughs> but you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So Jacob prepares for this with fear and trembling. And he starts out with all, of, again, he becomes a very wealthy man. He has this huge caravan that's returning home. And he decides he's going to split up the caravan and send a bunch of gifts ahead of him to his brother Esau, hopefully to like soften him up before they have to actually meet. And that's when things get really strange in Jacob's story. We continue with verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until, unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And the name Israel means he who wrestles with God. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. And the name Peniel means the face of God. What the heck? What is going on? This is such a bizarre story that honestly scholars have been fighting about, interpretations have been, I mean, a lot of ink's been spilled over this as to what the heck was happening here. And I wish I could tell you definitively what was going on. What I can tell you is we have this strange wrestling match happening between Jacob and this mystery guest, this mystery man. Now, either this man is God or somehow represents God, But either way, whether it's an angel or God, Jacob clearly thinks it's God himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't call the place Peniel. What in the world was this about? Well, Jacob knew a thing or two about wrestling, didn't he? He was a wrestler. He wrestled with his brother. He wrestled with the obstacles in his life to try to get what he wanted, to get the blessing that he was looking for. Now he finds himself wrestling in a completely different way. He's wrestling in a spiritual way. You see, he's dealing with the wrestling of fear and faith. Fear, of course, is trusting in your own power, but faith is trusting in God's power, and he's trying to figure out. He had trusted in his own power for a long time, and it got him really far, but it wasn't going to get him through this, and he knew it. And so this wrestling is really a wrestling of his soul that is happening with God. I think a lot of us, when we think about wrestling with God, we think, oh my gosh, that's a sin. I shouldn't ever do that. I shouldn't. I don't know. Before you go down that road, just consider this. Wrestling requires intimacy. Wrestling requires authenticity. In other words, wrestling, I think, is a reflection of real relationship. What real relationship doesn't include wrestling in some way or another? wrestling emotionally, spiritually, maybe not physically, but I think it's an indicator of something that's real. It seems to me that God values authentic, real relationship warts and all. He'd rather have that than a bunch of people who say that they love him and have a relationship with him and then don't act like it. I think with our faith, and this is something, honestly, and this is a whole other subject, but this is something that comes up with our next-gen ministry, I think. In those days that I did youth ministry for so many years and I was with teenagers and teaching them about faith, they'd never really owned their faith until they wrestled their questions to the ground. You can't be afraid to take on the deepest, sometimes darkest questions you have. Because if you are, it means that part of you is shutting yourself off from having a conversation with God. Sometimes that conversation looks like wrestling. Sometimes it's full of anger or fear or doubt or or you don't know what. Just a mix of everything. Wrestling is authentic. I think that's why in Scripture we see people wrestling with God constantly. And it's often right before they turn the corner and receive God's blessing. They have to first wrestle the fear and the doubt to the ground. In my wrestling, in my doubt, right? What are some things that I need to remember when this happens with me? You might be feeling like you're going through this right now. Well, I think the first thing is God doesn't disqualify me for wrestling, right? He doesn't just kind of kick me out. There's no eject button. He's not like waiting for me to mess up, or, uh, 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 you know, ka-ching, and then I'm gone. He doesn't disqualify me. It's kind of part of the process of faith. It's not the wrestling that's the problem. It's, it's how I handle the wrestling that becomes the problem, or the solution, or the breakthrough. The second is I discover how strong God is in the wrestling. What do I mean? You know how kids will often wrestle, play wrestle with their parents? Do you know what they're doing? They're testing their strength against you. And not in a bad way, not like they're trying to overpower you, but they want to make sure that you're every bit as strong as you need to be to protect them. I think it's the same thing going on with our wrestling. We want to make sure that God is the God who he says he is, that he is strong enough to deal with the weight of our lives. And then the third is that God's blessing usually isn't far behind. This has been my experience in my life. When I've wrestled with some of the toughest things that I've wrestled with, I have to go through the wrestling first, and then it seems like on a pretty consistent basis, the pattern that God has is that then whatever God has for me next, whatever blessing he has for me, is usually around the corner. And I wonder, I don't know if this is true, but this feels true. I wonder if, if God's waiting for me to kind of come to terms with where I am so that I'm opened up to receive who he wants me to be next. Next. It's like I have to get through all that other junk, all that other stuff in order to move on. Maybe it's sort of like dealing with grief or anger. And What will people tell you all the time? you you got to deal with it or it never really goes away. It's like the junk drawer, right? We've talked about that. It's like the junk drawer that gets so full, stuff just starts piling out. It doesn't close all the way. If you don't deal with it, it's just going to keep coming out. It's like issues of the heart and soul. Those issues keep coming out. And those issues that you might have with God, those issues will keep coming out. And you know what it'll do? It'll just prevent you from having enough availability to receive what God wants for you. It's like we got to deal with it. you got to deal with the pain. you got to deal with the grief. you got to deal with the whatever it is. got to wrestle it to the ground so that you're ready for what God has for you. Now, I love how this story of Jacob ends. It ends with unexpected blessing. Here's chapter 33, verse 1. Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. Oh my gosh, can you imagine, right? <laughs> this is the moment. I'm sure his heart was pounding. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. I mean, there's some strategy going on, right? Put the women and children first. Maybe he will, by the time he gets to me, he won't be quite so ready to kill me. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. I wonder what he was expecting. I mean, he had to be prepared for anything. Was he going to have to draw a sword and be ready for battle? Was he going to have to deal with this angry, like what was going to happen? All of that wrestling, all that fear and doubt, everything and that kind of bizarre wrestling with God, whatever that was, got him to this place where, I don't know, was he in a place of acceptance? Like, it's just going to be what it's going to be? Was he still wrestling? I'm not sure. But I'm sure he didn't expect what happened. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Man, that is so incredibly powerful. I think it's no accident that Israel means he who wrestles with God and that it became pretty much a defining characteristic of God's people, the nation of Israel, the nation of people who wrestle with God. Why? Because those are the people who really have a relationship with God. I I remember when my Stepfather died. This was the father who raised me. Uh, He died very tragically and young. And I was to go out to California to help do the funeral service for the Tucker side of the family. This was years ago. This is maybe 15 years ago. And at the time, I hadn't really been out to see the Tucker side of the family at all. I mean, I haven't really had any contact with them. And I had all these worries. I felt maybe like Jacob. in the caravan on the way to see Esau is I didn't know, were they going to be angry with how things happened with my stepfather? There was divorce. There was separation. We sort of shut him out of our lives. I don't know. I I didn't know how they were going to react or what they were going to do. And I definitely felt that wrestling going on, that fear, that anxiety and rest kind of wrestling with God all along the way. And like, how am I going to respond? I mean, I'm flying out there. I'm staying with them. I'm like, I'm sort of, I just have to face it. It's just going to have to be what it's going to be. And I remember when I got there, all that fear and doubt and uncertainty and the whole Tucker family, huge family, by the way, many Tuckers just embraced me and there were tears and there was welcome home and there was, we love you and we're so sorry about what happened and we're so glad you're here. I mean, it's just like, it was so beyond what I was expecting and so much better than what I imagined. And I feel like this is, this is the MO of how God works. This is what happens. And it doesn't always end in hugs and tears, but it feels like blessing comes kinda as a result of the wrestling. You see, I think the bottom line is this, God doesn't wanna punish you for wrestling, but he wants to use it to move you to faith. Faith, in other words, isn't the absence of wrestling. It's the determination to trust your way through it. What about you? What's going on in your life? You doing some wrestling of your own? Probably. It's a target-rich environment, as they say. You know what I tell you? Don't be afraid of it. Wrestle away. Wrestle away and trust your way through it all and believe that God's blessing is around the corner. That's my prayer for all of us. Wherever this message finds you, however it finds you, whatever you're going through, may you be blessed even in the wrestling. Amen.